814 takedown. They show up, they dominate, and they go home. 814 takedown. They show up, they dominate, and they go home. Welcome, it is 814 takedown. Of course, Joe Lenusky. came in 84 with Mike Deanna as the head coach. Bruce Baumgartner was the assistant. I was a uh, graduate assistant, stayed on, worked with the club until 1989. I went to McDowell High School and I was a head coach there for one year, came back to Edinburgh and from 90 to 2009. Now that was Bruce's first year as the head coach. Uh, 1990, and then Tim Flynn took over in 96, and I was there till 2009. Now, I always think, I think it's cool. Now, obviously, your son played, in Penn, played football at Penn State, so you are very familiar with the way that the game is played at the Division One level. But I always thought it was super cool because basketball has Gonzaga, but that's it. Wrestling has had Lock Haven at the front of the line, Clarion at the front of the line, Edinburgh at the front of the line. Do you remember a particular instance in your career, in your time, when you when it actually became a realistic expectation that you could be a top five program? Do you remember when that was? I can tell you exactly what my memory of that is. We recruited and we landed Sean O'Day. And I thought that was key for us because Sean was a blue chipper. He was right from down the road, Meadville. And of course we were trying to uh, puff our chest out, but if you don't get Sean O'Day, the blue chipper in your backyard, that is not good. And so when we landed him, and of course, you know, that is just landing him. The rest is what he did for us. He was, he had flair three-time All-American, national champ, runner-up. I mean, so, yeah, to me, that was when I knew we can do this. Now, did you think rock bottom was nearing when you were in Matt Hill's living room recruiting him? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll tell you. <laughs> we can you hand in your resignation the next day? <laughs> no, I'll tell you what, Matt, when we recruited Matt, Matt was what our program was all about. And as he went through his five years at Edinburgh, I mean, really, I'm a jokester, but Matt epitomizes Edinburgh wrestling. Hard work, durability, and just made himself into one of the better wrestlers in the country. I mean, he over 100 wins. You don't do that. To get over 100 wins takes a lot of durability 
uh, beating some good kids. I mean, and so Matt was really what our program was all about. We were getting, you know, there might be three top guys in Pennsylvania that everybody in the country wants. And then in, in Pennsylvania, as you know, Joe, um, there's so many, there's another list of guys. Matt was in that other list, but boy, did uh, he turned it on when he came to Edinburgh. Gary, thanks. <laughs> I wish you could see the grin on his face. Yes, he, tell him he owes me a dinner for that, too. Dinner and a pair of shoes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we, we started this because, uh, you know, you mentioned Sean O'Day, you know, we, you know we, until I screwed it up, Scott Moore, and obviously Dakota Gear from Franklin. I mean, there's just been a litany, a litany of big-time guys. You know, it's funny because... There's all of the, the, the pressures of, you know, James Franklin to USC because he's got all that top talent in his backyard. What is it like, Gary, or Matt, for that matter? Because I think that people are, you know, re recruiting is a, I mean, it could be dirty, it could be awesome, it could be interesting, it could be, you know, however, whatever adjective you want to talk about recruiting, that's it. But not only, when you look at half of Iowa's roster and they're Pennsylvania kids, uh, you know, Pennsylvania is the Florida or Texas of wrestling when it comes to college recruiting. How difficult was that in your experience, you know, Gary, on the way up, trying to build something up when you're literally fending off national programs? You mentioned Sean O'Day, but there's, you know, there's a pile of guys of that ilk from Pennsylvania every year. Yeah, there's no question. You know, people come flock into Pennsylvania. You go to the state tournament, you recruit in Pennsylvania. It's a virtual who's who of college coaches down there trying to land those those guys. Because, you know, again, our, our state, we are the best. And so, yes, you're trying to fend off. Uh, and, you know, we, we're getting top tier guys, but maybe we don't get that top blue chipper. But every once in a while, we do grab them, but we made our living here at Edinburgh, you know, Mike Deanna, uh, Bruce and Tim Flynn as head coaches off of the guys. Those, when I say second tier, that's tongue in cheek because th these guys could be three times state champs in most other States. And that's factual. Uh, so, you know, what we tried to sell them to Joe is you go to, you know, you go to Iowa, Iowa wrestling, awesome, Penn State wrestling, awesome. But you know what it is. Division one, the big schools, it's all about football. And what we try to sell is you come here to wrestle and you are the top dog. And, and you know, I'm sure there's some other coaches that wouldn't like me saying that, but it was the truth, you know. And so they get to go to a program where that program is shining uh, here at the campus. So that was pretty cool and I think that's how we tried to build and then you would land you know we landed Matt King and Jared his brother went to Oklahoma but transferred real quick to us and Jared's getting inducted into the Hall of Fame tonight as one of our four national champs so Gary tell us a little bit about your the the beginning of the the uh, you know your career as a coach here with Deanna and Bruce coming in on Tell us a little bit about how how you guys got that success so fast and, you know, some of the reasons why and how it happened. 
Well, it was exciting. I mean, I left a head high school job at a triple A high school to come here because, you know, Mike Deanna and uh, Mike's going to be here tonight. He's staying with me to come to the hall of fame for one of our other guys, David Ray, who was, who placed third in the nationals. But the reason I mentioned David's name is those first years, Mike, I call him a silent assassin. You know, when, when you meet Mike Deanna, you don't, He's not some flamboyant guy, but he's got a quiet confidence that's unbelievable. And that permeates to everybody. And of course, Bruce was all everything in wrestling, fresh off of, the, off of an Olympic gold. So the excitement was there. And our athletic director, Jim McDonald, God rest his soul, passed away. But he was the architect. He wanted to win and he wanted to win bad. And of course, Mike uh, came from a great program in Iowa. Uh, Bruce was coaching as a grad assistant at Oklahoma State, the other storied program. So uh, the excitement was unbelievable. And then the reason we were able to come on the scene so quick was it's no secret. You know, Mike brought a lot of we had a lot of transfers immediately. And those guys, not only did they perform like the David Rays, the Mike Hasseys, the Matt Furies, uh, Mike Hassey and Matt Fury came the first year as transfers from Iowa won the Division II national title right off the bat. But the, more than the performance, what they gave is showed our other kids what they needed to do. There's nothing like when you're recruiting or coaching, just pointing over at somebody and saying, you want to be a national champ? Do what this guy does. And so, yeah, the excitement was awesome. We had Dean Hall come in because he had been a heavyweight behind uh, uh, Tom Erickson out at Oklahoma State where Bruce was. Dean came in, became a three-time All-American for us. Uh, we had David Ray, a guy named Dan Willeman was a, a, a uh, transfer from Arizona State. I, I believe he placed third in the country. And I'm talking about the first five years. So everything was buzzing. We had resources. Uh, and we were just, you know, we formed our own. Mike gave me the task of forming our own clinic and that took off immediately. We had over 120 some coaches the first year. I think we, I can't remember if we had Dan Gable the first year. We always had some big name coaches come in. So yeah, there was a buzz around us. And once you, then once the team performed and, and knocked up there in the top 10, then of course it made things easier. I'm going to ask you a hard question and Matt might have to hold his ears, but we do pay attention to 814. We believe that 814 is the only with three Division One programs, uh, two of which have been to the front of the line. Penn State now owns the front of the line. With the money, with the, the transfer portal, I mean, you look at what Kale gets paid, you look at what some of these guys get paid. Do you think you could do it again, Gary? Do you think you could start from the bottom and, and get to the front of the line? Well, we're not starting from the bottom. And I've been out of coaching since 2009. And so there have been, Matt and I talk about this, there have been so many changes. I mean, I, I let him go to school on me. Um, and, you know, one of his assistants was saying, hey, Gary, I want to pick your brain about recruiting. Well, recruiting has changed immensely, Joe, as you, with, with what you said. The portal's there. Uh, the funding is obviously big. And so, I mean, I thought, I think we, I really think that we got the right guy there, Matt. He knows, he knows our program. He knows what it was built on. Uh, 
and I don't think we're at the bottom of the barrel by any means. And uh, you know, miss, I'm not very good at asking questions. <laughs> Could you go to an insert school here with the current climate and build a monster like you guys did in 10 years? Do you think you could do that? I don't, I don't mean Edinburgh. I mean anything. I think that's very tough, very tough because resources are any more as, as time goes on. I've seen it with my own kids as they got recruited and, and it was in football, but it's just so much about the money anymore. It is, you know, everybody wants to see the money. It's, it's more of a status than, than actually the finances. So, uh, it's difficult. So I, I don't know. I can't answer that question. I just know that we got the right guy to pick away at it. And yes, I think we're going to, you know, you're going to be able to every once in a while pop into that top 10. But it's, I think the days of, you know, getting a four year span when you're in that top 10 are very difficult. And if Matt does that, then I'm going to become a millionaire and he's getting all my money. <laughs> I want to ask a question to Matt, and I'd be, I'd be curious to get Gary's response to this. Now, Gary recruited you, Matt. Yeah. You are in a living room, and the, the type of kid you're now recruiting, you know, we all know the wrestlers are a bit goofy. They're cut from a different cloth. <laughs> you know, they're, not, they're not necessarily uh, the divas. You know, they got messed up ears and the like, but... How much different do you think the kids are now that you recruit in terms of the immediate gratification that, you know, obviously Gary, you know, coming from a little little tougher cloth, uh, you know, the, the, the hard love. I don't know if that would work now. I, I, don't, I still know if they, you know, just all rub dirt in it, you'll be better in the morning. I don't know if that's, that would fly. Do you, do you agree with that, Matt? I think it's somewhere in the middle. I don't think it's uh, it won't work. I, I think a lot of the uh, kids that we're doing now are second generation college, um, you know, background. Their parents were in college. My, you know, Gary probably recruited the kid a lot of a lot of kids that were first generation. So the first first person from their family to go to college. So that has changed over the years. Um, yeah, you know, selling the tough, gritty mentality to that bro is sometimes a tough sell for certain kids. Uh, they want to see the giant football game atmosphere and stuff like that. But I, I think if you just stick with the, the basics and the roots that, that what we're all about, what we're going to do here daily and how much um, you're going to change the young man throughout the process and, you know, the big, big, uh, big wrestling uh, all school mentality or big time wrestling with a smaller school. And that's kind of who we are and what we do. So um, I, I would say generally, you know, a lot of people want to say all oh, this generation and that generation, but there's still a lot of kids out there that want to work hard. And they want to. They want to make themselves a, um, you know, one of the best kids in the country. And you just got to find that right kid that fits in Edinburgh. And they're out there. I would say when Gary was recruiting, um, it might have been. I, it, it's a little bit. Uh, you can find a diamond or rough a lot easier um, now that there's so many, so much technology. Uh, with, with I, I can watch a match um, of a kid that took eight. In Pennsylvania states, you know, and now it's, you know, he, you know, all of a sudden he places really high at national event. He, there's no secret about it anymore. Everybody can watch this film in, in minutes and seconds on the on courses out there. So I would say uh, there's just uh, it's just a different ballgame. You just got to evolve and try to try to do your best you can and get the right kids on your campus. So. 
Gary, to piggyback on that, I mean, do you, could you see yourself? I mean, again, I, I just think it was a, a different era. I mean, do you, you think you could still recruit successfully in this area, era? And, you know, the other thing is, is you, you would have to be, uh, you know, spend as much time online and social media. You don't, you don't strike me as you'd be a very good tweeter. <laughs> That's because I couldn't even get on the podcast. <laughs> I, bailed, I bailed you out, Matt. I, you know, to echo, Joe, what Matt said is he is right. It, you know, so right in that the technology, there are no diamonds in the rough. You know, I think myself, uh, Mike Deanna, Bruce, I think we prided ourselves on, you know, on contact. So one thing that's very cool about wrestling, wrestling is a very fraternal sport, way more than most. And here's the reason why. You go to a tournament, I don't care if it's a high school tournament, a youth tournament, a college tournament, you're there all day long. And you're rubbing elbows with parents and kids that you missed out on recruiting and everything. So you really get to know people. And I want to say this, you can't hide. A program's coaches cannot hide, even today, because it gets out there. There is so much talking. In football, there's guys on the sideline, on the other sideline. You shake hands at the end of the game. That's really the only, you know, uh, contact you really have. But in wrestling, everybody gets to know each other. So now you're staking your recruiting on your reputation, not only results, but also what you do. As I, as I listen to Matt, he's right. It was easier for us and me to go out and say, you know, I'm going to give you an example, Tony Roby. Tony Roby was one of our toughest guys ever. Well, Tony came from the Lower East Side of Erie. I knew, or West Side, I knew that. I knew he played football. I talked to many people in Erie about him. He was one of the go-to backs. They played in the state championship game. He hurt himself at the end of the football year. He ended up, I believe, placing third. He was not super sought after. I know there were kids, but I knew this guy's going to be good, you know, and because... Now, like Matt says, you pull everything up technology-wise, not Gary Astorino. He probably can't do that, but Matty Hill can do that. And so I, I think you stake yourself on, you know, now the technology. So that, it is very difficult. And then, of course, you know, it's not good when I was doing so well with all these Pennsylvania kids. Now there's no secrets out there. Um, I will say, though, this, too, that... You know, when you, we have got, I think the other thing, and Matt is this guy, Matt is this guy as a wrestler. You go in and you really try to find out about a wrestler. You know, you really try to find out what is working. We have to look for the fit. And, and I don't say that just as a cliche. We have to find the fit. We have had many good wrestlers come to Edinburgh that turned out to be great wrestlers. And Matt, would echo this we won't mention names but we've had some other great wrestlers come you won't even see their names they didn't last here because they weren't buying into our program i think the buy into our program which is what matt is doing which is why he was the he was the 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 choice to come here is he knows our program he knows if we're gonna make it that's how we have to make it with the right kid and that work ethic gary I, I'm going to assume this, but I, 
I, I want to get your your thought on this because I, I think I think in my semi humble opinion that this is a big deal. The best ability is availability. Literally, the first time I met Matt, I told him, "If you want to follow in Tim Flynn's footsteps, you move here as quickly as you possibly can." How important do you think the growth of the program was? Literally, the availability of all of the the aforementioned names. I know, you know, I grew up in Central PA where wrestling is a religion. And I've got buddies that think it is just unbelievable that, you know, I see Bruce or text Bruce or, or, or whatnot. I mean, I think in many respects, people take it, you know, almost take it for granted that Bruce is kind of hanging around. But how important do you think it was that the the guys that you mentioned were so willing to be out in the community in terms of the growth of the program? It was critical. It was critical. And, you know, you, you, I'm smiling here, Joe, because I'm thinking about Bruce. How many times? I don't know. It's in the hundreds that I ask questions every time I sat in a living room. And, you know, somebody said, well, I heard that Coach Bumgarner's leaving next year. And I would always answer that the same way. With 100% honesty, I said, listen, I can't predict the future, but I think Bruce is going to be here for a long time. I really do. He loves this town. And now, of course, that has come to be the case, you know. And so when you're here, we were involved in the community. So you don't get lost in the, you know, when we, when we, had recruits up for it's homecoming right now. So if you add them over to a football game, of course, everybody knows Bruce. And, and, and also you have this smaller atmosphere. Everybody buys in to wrestling because we're not division one in any other sports. And, you know, Joe coming from central Pennsylvania, you know, everybody knows their wrestling. So all of a sudden they're asking you, Oh, Hey, here's, this is Kevin Welsh. Hey, can I, can I uh, meet him? Sure. You know? And so I think we ran our program now, Matt, it's things are a little bit different uh, with the recruiting rules and everything, but boy, we, we were real, we were all so accessible. We started to have a picnic when the guys came to uh, the parents dropped them off. Usually as freshmen parents are there and it was that picnic in itself. Matt can tell you about that. That was always really cool. I mean, I think people saw that we're we're just a bunch of regular guys, and of course, that's Pennsylvania, that's Central Pennsylvania, that's Western Pennsylvania, uh, and I think that and Matt has that personality too. You know, I, I think it's important when you go in to recruit somebody, you're always I always say the fathers, and I don't mean this in any sexist way, but the fathers know all the ins and outs about the program. I think the mothers are staring at you as a coach, looking at like, I am leaving my son to you. <laughs> and am I leaving him in a good place as a person? I don't think they care as much about the wrestling. Yeah, Gary, I can say that, you know, through my recruiting experience with, you know, you and, and Tim and Lou, it's, that was the, the accessibility, knowing that every one of you guys are only like, you know, a three minute drive away or, you guys will be down at Homestead at most hours of the day if we needed you. So that was kind of the uh, the best thing about it. Um, that small town feel made you feel like you know you're important. You know, big time wrestling at a small school was super important for for me. And just having that blue collar mentality 
important. And I still think it's there. I still think we can get the kids that are blue collared or, you know, we're even more of the white collared side of it. Uh, wrestling has evolved and we've talked about it a lot with the clubs too. So there's just, you have to have your, you have to, you have to wear a lot of different hats and that's kind of the name of the game today. So. No question. No question. Gary, I wanted to ask you, uh, again, you were the, the infancy of, of the, not only the program here, but in terms of, I feel like wrestling has gotten to be a little bit more mainstream uh, in, in even the last, I don't know, 15 years. But do you think that these clubs you know, at Penn State, at Ohio State, at Iowa, do you think that they offer a hindrance to the likes of Edinburgh, Clarion, because the money's just never going to be the same, or do you think that does not factor in? Well, boy, that's a tough question. I think overall, um, I mean, really, these clubs are serving, I mean, they serve everybody, but really the main purpose uh, is for the elite high school kids. So, but having said that, then, of course, you have the, uh, we have the regional training centers. I, I mean, everybody, you know, the real good guys have thoughts about being a national champion, multiple time All-American, but the Olympics is always in the back of their mind. But, you know, only so many, the money part obviously leaves us in the dust. I guess that's what's so phenomenal about us, about Central Michigan. How could we, and, and by the way, we get compared a lot to Central Michigan, but don't forget, Central Michigan is a Mac school. I mean, it's pretty big. And so, the Clarions, the Lock Havens over history, um, the Slippery Rocks, the Edinburghs, we've been able to do it. I think the gap then starts to become, it starts to widen because the Penn State has this, these great clubs. So, I mean, I guess it's good for the elite wrestlers and good for maybe the United States. Probably it makes Matt's job tougher. It's a dynamic that you just have to kind of take on the chin sometimes and figure out what, what, how you can make it to your advantage, I guess. And uh, a lot of people can complain about it. I think it just all depends on how your administration views the clubs too. There's some, there's, there's even some Big Ten programs that have they can't do what other Big Ten programs can do in, in their in their wrestling world. A lot of them come along. Um, I don't think they have a choice. Yeah, I mean that's a, don't you think, Gary? That's that's what really. That, in my opinion, that's what sucks about the clubs, because it, it, it would appear now that either you got one, or you might as well forget about top 15. I mean, when you, when you think about, like, I mean, the fact that, like, Gilman and Snyder and Penn State's wrestling, like, in, in, in many respects, that should be borderline illegal. I mean, <laughs> yeah. but it's not. That's kind yeah. of lay of the land. That's the way it works. Yeah. But, if, you look, if you look at our model for USA Wrestling with the RGCs and you compare it to other other athletic sports, other sports in the NCAA, we are we are above and beyond able to to jump through loopholes compared yeah. to any other sport. Imagine being in Kentucky and be like, "Oh yeah, you can bring in the last seventeen first round draft picks to work out with our kids." <laughs> like it's such an advantage to have that access. Yes. Yes. I think also, you know, not only 
not only do you provide a workout for them for your best kids to get them from being a you know all american to being the national champ that's how you do that you do it with people in the room and so obviously they can do that let's not forget the recruiting power you know when when they're able to penn state's able to say hey we still have david taylor here and i don't know what he's doing going to do now but when you still have the big names there that that helps you know so yes it makes our job a little more I guess a little more difficult. I say our jobs, Matt's job. I mean, certainly, but you, I, I, Matt, I love your attitude. You know, I think it's like, okay, this is, you know, this is what I've been given and uh, this is what I'm going to have to deal with. And now let's go from here. You got to do that. You, you can't, you know, you're not, even if somebody came to you and said, okay, here's a hundred thousand dollars, you know, hundred thousand dollars, not going to do it. You're not going to have a wrestling club like the Nittany Wrestling Club. I mean, that's just the way it is. So you dance with the one that brung you, and, you know, you go forward. Gary, I wanted to say, again, I think you have an interesting perspective here, because, Matt, we had this discussion with Scott, and unfortunately it was it was lost. But So the, 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 chance, the, the, the landscape of the NCAA is ever-changing. And the monumental shift of Oklahoma to Texas for the SEC is all about money. It's all about football. But Oklahoma used to once upon a time be a pretty significant wrestling program. Uh, I don't know if you paid or how much attention you paid, but I would I would feel safe to say that there was not a snowball's chance in hell that Oklahoma was going to wrestle a Big 12 wrestling program, a wrestling schedule. But even though the Big 12 is all kinds of uh, – memberships that are not full-time what do you what do you think is the outcome as we now hear rumblings of moving closer and closer to these super conferences that are solely based on football yeah that's a dynamic that's just always going to be there even as big as basketball is and even as big as as much money is generated we all know like even in the Big East basketball conference, it went by the wayside because of what you said, football drives everything, the big money and conference memberships. So, boy, as a smaller institution, I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I don't think that it will affect us as much as long as they can make the you know qualifiers for the NCAA tournament you know, make sure that there's some equity there. I don't know exactly what that means, but I think Matt knows what I'm talking about. There's got to be equity. There's got to be the same opportunity there. Just because we're not in that big conference, which we're never going to be. We're not going to be in the ACC. We're not going to be in the Big Ten. Or the big. I mean, let's make sure that the equity's there so that our guys can make that national tournament also. And of course, Matt has to do that. The challenge is, with his scheduling during the course of the year, tournaments and everything. Yeah, the way the system's set up right now, you just got to put your guys in the right right spot, right 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 tournaments, right sure. right opponents to to create that equity. Um, you know, I I don't know how that's going to look with the super conferences. I, it's like a whole dynamic shift. With are some of these giant teams going to be NCAA affiliated? So what does that happen for the NCAA tournament with all these other sports? I don't think, I don't think the NCAA is ever going to disappear. 
but I think they're going to bend over backwards. In the next well, they season. don't. Yeah. I mean, the next time you see the college football champion hold up an NCAA trophy, will be the first time. I mean, that's you know, that's it's not a, an NCAA governed postseason. And you know, the thing that's it's interesting because it's all about the money. And you know that that Oklahoma Texas split in the middle of the night from the other from the Big Twelve to the SEC. I mean, the, the remainder of the Big Twelve schools are like jilted lovers. I mean. That's the two cash cows that walk out the door. Uh, you know, Houston, BYU, Central Florida, they're not going to save the day for the Big 12. Um, you know, do, do you need to be, uh, you know, could you wrestle as an independent? Uh, I, could you do I don't know if you could do that. Is there enough opportunity? And again, the SEC doesn't matter. They don't have, you know, Oklahoma could be a max school like Missourians for all, for all we know. Um, I just, I just don't know. I don't think that the NCAA will ever walk away from Olympic sports, and I know that they won't walk away, or they will fight like tooth and nail because the team contract for March Madness literally pays all their bills. So I think they will do everything they can to keep that in power. I just don't, you know, within the conferences, you know, some of the strife that we've seen over these paydays. You know, I, I sort of feel bad. What would it, you know, how would it end for Oklahoma? I mean, the math makes the most sense, but, you know, is that optimal? We kind of already had that experience with Missouri. That's what I mean. Yeah, so I would say, I would say the Pac-12 would be their, their other option. But uh, Yeah, there's no way the Big, the Big 12 is going to cooperate. No way. Yeah, but the Missouri's back in the Big 12, and they're in the SEC, so who knows what's going to happen out here, so. The other thing I wanted to get to, Gary, Matt and I have talked about this ad nauseum. I am of the belief, and I thought, I thought that uh, Sheets, Steve Sheets missed a great opportunity, you know, giving Derek Lively the number two uh, basketball recruit in the country, give him a million bucks to go to Penn State, kids from Belfont. Do you think NIL makes it more or less likely? Because I believe it's more likely for the little dogs. To, to be able to, to get to a seat at the table. Because I don't think that the Penn States and Ohio States and the Iowas are going to have the same guys every year being willing to, to basically write off another million dollars for NIL deals for the wrestlers. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think all of that is unfolding. And I don't, I don't, even when you go back to talking about the conferences, you know, super conferences, I think until some things happen that like, oh, wait a minute, we're not going to be able to do this. As you know, you know, one of our grads and one of our friends, uh, uh, Lou Roselli, co- is coaching in Oklahoma, haven't really talked to Lou, or Lou about Oklahoma leaving the Big 12. And I do want to talk to him about that. But so I think. I think the results or the aftermath has to unfold before the NCAA. Gary, where are you? Fallujah? We just lost you. You still with us? Yes. Can you hear me? Oh, there we go. There we go. I, I want to hear what you have to say about Lou and Oklahoma. Yeah, I, you know, I, Lou, I'm close to Lou, and I haven't talked to him yet about uh, Oklahoma leaving the Big 12. But I do want to talk to him about that and see what his feelings are as a head coach. But I, I think – in regard to what you were just asking me, the NIL question, and I think what happens is the NCAA is going to wait and see the aftermath and results of these super conferences and some of these other issues coming up 
before they react. Now, I don't necessarily agree with that. I mean, I, I think they have to hear from people, but they have to hear from all parties. You know what I mean? You, you have to hear from the Edinburgh's. You have to hear from the Oklahoma's who just, they, you know, they went to the other football conference. And so, yeah, I don't think, I don't think we're going to know the results of that until the NCAA. Gary, can you hear us? Yes. After some technical difficulties, we now return you to Gary's answer of Joe and Matt's question. To talk to Lou about what his feelings are as the head coach of Oklahoma, what he thinks this is going to do to his program. And uh, that's what I, I, so that remains to be seen. I haven't discussed that with him. Hello. All right. I don't know. I don't know. We're, um, we're having some uh, technical issues. So hopefully we can clean this up in the, uh, the editing floor. Gary, I really appreciate you taking some time with us. Uh, and of course, maybe we'll do it again soon. And maybe you and I get to uh, call some wrestling this winter. Great. Great. And uh, we'll see everybody. Matt, we'll see you at the Hall of Fame banquet. And as long as you're winning, Matt, you know I'm behind you. Hello. Thanks, Gary. That's it. 814 Takedown. He's Matt Hill. I'm Joe Lignoski. We will do our best to be better the next time. I've got a pretty big guest coming up, so you're going to want to pay attention. That's 814 Takedown. Thanks for hanging out.